Hello there, I'm Natalia Malu, your unfiltered fit BFF, mom of two turned CEO of a fitness empire. Someone who understands the struggles of trying to stay fit, sane, and sexy, all while juggling work, life, and motherhood. And this is the Unfiltered Fit Life Podcast. Follow along wherever you're listening and join me weekly as I help busy working moms just like you simplify their fitness journey so they can lose weight, regain their confidence, and feel sexy AF. It's time to stop living in the what-ifs and hiding from the cameras. It's time to regain control over your body, feel sexy naked, and wear a bikini confidently. People already see you as a super confident woman, but it's time for you to feel the same way too. Let's go. Hello, hello there, fam. Welcome to another episode of the Unfiltered Fit Life Podcast. I'm Natalia Mello, your host. And today I am going to be doing a little bit of a nostalgic episode because um, a few weeks ago in January, I turned 40. Yes, I just turned 40. Um, I am actually very excited for it because whenever we're talking to women, People are always kind of like looming and glooming your milestones. Before you get married, it's like, oh, wait until you get married and then everything is going to go downhill. And then whenever you get married, if things don't go downhill, you know, you stop taking care of yourself and stuff like that. People are like, oh, wait until you have your first kid. And then you have the first kid and it's like, oh, wait until you get to your 30s. And then wait until you have the second kid. And then wait until you get to your 40s. And I just love proving people wrong. So that's why I'm really excited about my 40s. And um, you better believe that I'm going to make the best of it. So I thought that it would be fitting to talk about things that I wish I knew when I first started my fitness journey 26 years ago. And yes, me being 40 marks 26 years to the first time that I set foot in the gym. I started going to the gym when I was 14 years old. And I have an interesting story for you. So my mom was never of a gym person. And I always loved watching on TV and seeing, you know, women that had more muscular physiques. I just really liked the aesthetics. Um, in Brazil, you know, that's where I'm from. It was a, a like a thicker look. Women are a bit like bigger. They're not so slim and like very, very lean. I really liked that feminine, more muscular kind of look. And I knew that to accomplish that, I was going to have to go to the gym. But my mom was not a, a gym goer. She would be your typical kind of yo-yo dieter. She was always like finding the next diet to solve all her problems and then you solve her problems for a month and then the following month the problems would be back. <laughs> you you know what I mean? And, and I think that it is the generation as well. So I really wanted to go to the gym. But my parents always thought that gym wasn't for a 14-year-old girl and you would be a waste of money and why the hell would you want to go to the gym and blah, 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 this, that and the other. So I realized that I would have to figure out how to pay for the gym membership myself. Reminder, I'm 14 years old. And at the time, there was no like direct debit. I sure as hell didn't have a card. You Like at the time, it was still to get in the gym, like a little paper that they would stamp that you had paid for the month. And then you had to show the paper every single time that you came in. Anyway, so I 
worked the numbers out, it was expensive. Like gym Brazil at that time, especially for a 14 year old was expensive. So I had to save my allowance for the equivalent of six weeks. And this is like, if I did everything perfectly and no deductions were made from my, <laughs> from my allowance. So I would have to save my allowance for six weeks in order to pay for one month of gym membership. So I could only go to the gym every other month because I had to save for like six, seven weeks, and then I could pay for the gym membership. And then I couldn't afford to go the following month. So I had to wait and save the money again and then start again. So that's kind of how my my journey with fitness begun. And it started with taking classes because I wasn't comfortable in the weight room. So I used to take spinning classes and uh, body pump classes, Les Mew classes, because you'd allow me to have some kind of like quote unquote guidance. I didn't have very specific aesthetic goals, especially because I was young. Obviously I knew that I wanted to have like a shapely body and stuff like that, but I wasn't very objective with what I wanted. So I just attended the classes and that's really how my fitness journey began. So if you didn't know that, that's how we always started. That's not to say that I didn't make a lot of mistakes in my 26 years. So I'm going to be sharing with you today three things that now in hindsight, as I look back, if I would could go back to my, you know, even 20-year-old self, I would have a chit-chat, a conversation, and do things slightly different. And the first thing would be to tell my younger self, and this is something that I definitely wish I knew when I first started, is that I didn't need to spend an obnoxious amount of money in supplements because... What happened was I was already kind of like really struggling to bake ends meet with just paying for the gym membership. So in that very beginning, you know, I wasn't buying any supplements or anything because I legit could not afford. And my parents, in their mind, it was like steroids, protein powder, steroids. Like there was not a lot of education around that. So they would definitely not help me buy any supplements. So Whenever I start working more, whenever I was like 18, 19, and I start having a job that paid semi-decent, I started spending almost like my whole paycheck in a whole bunch of supplements that, quite honestly, they didn't do a whole pile for me because my nutrition wasn't on point. So I was buying all like creatine and like vitamin D's and glucosamine. And like, I was buying literally everything that people tell me that was going to help me look X, Y, and Z. I was buying it, but I couldn't, I couldn't afford it, which is something that is very common in Brazil as well to finance everything, like pay it in installments. So I would have my whole paycheck until the end of the year compromised and already claimed for to pay for all these supplements that I thought that they were going to solve all my problems. But I didn't even understand the basics of nutrition. And I wasn't seeing a significant amount of change in my body. And I thought that it was because I wasn't taking enough supplements. But the reality is, is because I wasn't feeding my body properly. And this is more, you know, when I was no longer like a 14, 15 year old girl, but more whenever I was 18, 19, early 20s that I didn't know 
that the reason why I wasn't getting results, it wasn't because I wasn't buying more and more and more supplements, but it was basically because my nutrition was not good. I didn't have the understanding of, uh, you know, caloric intake and energy balance and all of that. And I also didn't understand how to program my own training. So I was just going to the gym and winging it and doing a whole bunch of classes, which in the beginning they did serve their purpose. But then whenever I started to go more to the gym and I had more vision of what I wanted the outcome to be, the classes stopped doing their job because I now had a very clear vision of where I wanted to go. And classes give just very genetic guidance. So this would be the first thing that I wish I knew whenever I first started my fitness journey 26 years ago to not spend an obnoxious amount of money in supplements. And then like a one and a half here on the side would be to not rely on fitness classes to give me specific outcomes because the information given in those classes are very generalized for a whole bunch of different bodies, a whole bunch of different fitness levels, and um, they didn't necessarily cater to the specific goal that I was starting to have for myself and for my body. So that's one. The second one, and I was a victim of this because there was a big kind of diet culture in my house. And again, I'm not saying that it is necessarily my mom's fault, but it was just what it was then. Which the second thing that I wish I knew when I first started my fitness journey 26 years ago would be to steer clear from the trendy diets because ultimately they're normally bullshit and they're not sustainable. So I did the cabbage soup diet with my mom. I actually started the cabbage soup diet very young. Like I just did it with my mom when I was what, like 12, 13, something like that before I was even working out. And then after that, I did the fruit only diet or a salad only diet. But then whenever I finished that, I would go and go off the rails. So really understanding that it isn't so much about the the name of the diet or, you know, oh, this is trendy now. This is what we're going to do. Oh, this is the the next best thing. And you have to cut X, Y, and Z. And then you have to stay on it for like 30 days. Okay, but what happens after the 30 days? So really, if I could go back in time and have a chit-chat with my younger self when I first started 26 years ago, you'd be to steer clear from like trendy naming diets, especially because I was so young. I was like 14 when, when I first started. I don't think that I needed to be focusing so much on like fat diets. Oh, I'm going to cut all the fat from my diet. Like I needed that, especially at that age for hormonal functions. I didn't need to live off, you know, lettuce and, and chicken breast because at that age, I needed the carbs. And not just at that age, I'm speaking specifically about myself, but even now I still need the fat because I need my hormonal functions to be operating at maximum capacity, the best that they can. I need carbs so I can have the energy to keep on showing up for my family, for my members, for my businesses, for my husband. So the whole idea that you have to have this kind of diet that has a bougie name and it's kind of like the trendy thing, that is the quickest way to be stuck on a cycle 
because it will not teach you what you need to know to make sustainable long-term changes. And it's going to make you miserable. And it's going to make you feel stuck because you go into those things that you look around and you have all these people saying that it, quote unquote, worked for them and it doesn't work for you. And then you're like, shit, like what, what is wrong with me? Am I like, am I the problem? Am I a failure? But what you fail to understand is that it worked for those people until we didn't. And then they put the way back again. So I really would have um, spent more of my time learning about consistency and sustainability instead of trying to follow the trend on what the diet at the time is popping. Because quite honestly, every month there was a diet that was popping and it was hard to keep up. One day you would be like, oh yeah, fat sucks. Fat's terrible for you. It's going to make you fat and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, so let's cut all the fat. And then next month you'd be like, you know what? Fat's actually very good for you. You have to cut all the carbs. And then you cut all the carbs and then you stick to the fat. And then the following month is like, you know what? You need to remove all animal products. Do, do you see how it doesn't make sense? And the more you try to fall into the trends, the more stuck you're going to be because there is so much contradicting information out there. So that's why I really don't think that I should have started my fitness journey then. That's the advice that I would give. And I give this advice to all our members or anybody who wants to hear, my friends. It's not about, oh, it works. Well, just because it works now, because you're losing fat fast and furiously, does not mean that it's going to be something that you're going to be able to sustain. So it's not just about the now, it's about the the after now, the diet after the diet, what does that look like? Because that's what is going to keep you on the path to success. So that's the second, the second thing that I wish I knew when I first started my fitness journey 26 years ago. And then the third one, the last but not least, is it is very difficult, impossible even, like it's nearly impossible to out-exercise a bad diet. And by bad diet, what I'm saying is overconsumption of calories if your goal is fat loss. Because what happened was at 14, I wasn't so obsessed with you know fat loss or anything like that. But after I was an exchange student here in the US, I came back to Brazil and I had gained about 20, 25 pounds in a year. So None of my clothes fit, and I was really trying to out-exercise, showing up to more classes in the gym and, uh, you know, doing more cardio. That was even more exacerbated whenever I started to compete. I started to train for competitions thinking that I could out-exercise a diet that wasn't aligned with my goals. And this is problematic in many, many levels. So I'm going to try to keep this very simple for you guys so you can understand why this is problematic and incredibly ineffective. Because whenever we are looking at the total amount of calories that you burn in a day, okay, the total amount of calories that you are going to need to do your everyday activities, this is called TDE which stands for total daily energy expenditure. Whenever we're looking at your TDE, 
we have BMR, which is your basal metabolic rate. We have TEF, which is the thermal effect of food, which means that it is the amount of calories that your body burns to digest a specific food item that you eat. So even whenever you're digesting food, you're burning calories to process that food. That's called TEF. Then you have NEAT, which stands for non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And NEAT is the amount of calories that you burn, you know, whenever you're walking to your car uh, in a parking lot in the supermarket or whenever you're being very animated and your arms are flopping around like I normally am, that is NEAT. It's like the movement that you have that is not directly associated with intentional exercise like you have in the gym. And then we have, last but not least, exercise activity. And a lot of people rely on the exercise activity to get results. But here's the thing, though. Exercise activity only accounts for like 5 to 7% of the total amount of calories that you burn in a day. It's the smallest one out of all the things that are taken into account whenever it comes to your total daily energy expenditure. Exercise activity is the smallest one of them all. So relying on activity or out-exercise a bad diet, a diet that doesn't align with your goals, is going to become incredibly one-time consuming, which most people don't have the time to spend three, four, five hours in the gym to kind of like burn off, like, and I'm doing air quotes here, burn off the food that you consumed. So it's ineffective. And then you have the other layer of problems with having this kind of mindset, which is the relationship that you are going to start to develop with exercise and food. It's going to become a vicious cycle. Exercise is going to become a punishment for eating food. And you're going to eat food already thinking about the punishment that you're going to give yourself for eating that food. There's nothing wrong with eating food. And exercise, it's not a punishment. It should be a celebration of what your body can do. So it's not only inefficient, but it can create a very problematic relationship in your brain, like association of exercise and food and results. Because it can start to become a burden. Like the exercise can start to become a burden. So relying on the exercise to burn more calories because you consumed something that it wasn't, you know, it was quote unquote bad or whatever, is going to be very, very ineffective. And it's also going to be very, very problematic in the long run because it not only helps create that disordered relationship with food and exercise, but as you age, and again, I can say this now being 40 and having a lot of clients who are in their 50s, 60s, even 70s, a lot of these ladies have always relied on, let's say, running for weight management. They'll just run more. Oh, I want to lose weight. I'm just going to run more, more. I'm just going to run more, 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 more. Oh, I eat this. Oh, I'm going to run more, more, more. And, you know, for some time, it's kind of, not easy, but it's doable to kind of keep up with it because your body can handle it. But as you age, your joints, especially after all the beating 
from the many, many years of all the overcompensation, it starts to catch on. So what happens if you have problems with your knee and you can no longer resort to those, you know, oh, I'm going to run more. What if you cannot run? How are you going to manage that? So the reliability on cardio is inefficient and like problematic from a disordered behavior between food and exercise. And it also is adding a big toll to your body that if you are still, you know, your 20s, 30s, it might not be that much of a big deal, but it can become a big deal if that is something that you keep on relying on and then you end up with an injury. And then what happens then? You haven't gained the education and the proper guidance to help you navigate your weight management because you always resorted to that one thing which was running that your body can no longer do at the capacity that you have always done in order to try your best to manage your weight. And now you're heavier and then it's more pressure and more strain on the very joints they're already giving in. So do you see how it can really become like a, a snowball effect? So these are the three things that I wish I knew when I first started my fitness journey 26 years ago as I celebrate my 40th birthday this year, just a, a few weeks ago. And now I'm going to run real quick with solutions because I told you the problems. So I'm going to give you some quick solutions here. So for the first one, the thing that I wish I knew was to not spend an obnoxious amount of money on supplements. Instead of spending all that money in supplements, I would have invested that money in learning more about energy balance and nutrition. So I could focus on getting everything that I needed from food. And then if there was anything else that needed to be supplemented, then I would, you know, invest in a supplement. But chances are that you wouldn't have to be as much as I was doing before because I would be able to get a lot more from everyday food, which is not only like cheaper, but it's also much better and much more complete. So that's the first one. Second one is like trendy diets. Anything that has like a fancy name and that all your friends are doing and blah, 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 this, that, oh, Optivia and blah, blah, blah. And then you see your friend after that and they are always that person who is on a diet whenever you go to a restaurant, they cannot eat anything and stuff like that. Is that a life that you want to live? So we skip all the trendy uh, diets and stuff that have like names or have a title or that eliminate specific food groups and focus on having a nutrient-dense, more balanced approach. Because, you know, you might be able to not have ice cream for a month, but what if you like ice cream and you'd like to keep some of it? The trendy diets are likely not going to teach you how to eat the ice cream, how to have the glass of wine, how to go to a birthday party with your kids and have a slice of cake. And that is what's going to create the long-term results, not the trendy diet that is going to give you results in a month. And then after that, you don't know what to do. And then third one, it is very difficult, nearly impossible to out-exercise a bad diet. The solution for that is to make sure that you're being very intentional with your nutrition because it is a lot simpler to manage how many calories you're consuming. And it's a lot easier to track as well. 
you know, because a lot of people think that you're burning X, Y, and Z amount of calories because your fucking Apple Watch told them to. Let me tell you something. Those things are up to 100% inaccurate. So forget there is research in smartwatches and many of them are up to 98% inaccurate. So you cannot really calculate your caloric output because that data is very skewed, but you're going to have a lot more control on the data on how many calories you're consuming because you're readily available. And it is a lot easier to manipulate that to fill your plate with foods that are going to help you feel fuller for longer. So really focusing on what is coming in instead of obsessing on how many calories you're burning and what is going out. That is going to be your quickest path to long-term success. And if you want to see what that looks like, let's schedule a call. I'm going to see if I can help you. Again, the Powerhouse Academy is by application only. So just because you schedule a call, it does not mean that we are going to move forward and work with you. However, it is a very good opportunity to put together a strategy for you, even if we do not work together moving forward. Purpose of this call is really to even see if I can help you and to see what that will look like. And if we can all work together, I'll give you some guidelines and point you in a better direction. I'll always be very transparent and honest about that because for me, it's more about making an impact in the people that I feel that I can help more so than just putting a whole bunch of people in the program that I don't feel confident and comfortable that we are going to be able to help them at the capacity that I'm proud of. So there is a link down below. Check that out. And this is it for today, guys. Please make sure that you keep on leaving those amazing reviews. That's your way to pay me back for putting out this content. Let me know if this was helpful by sending me a message on the grams. You can find my handle down below in the show notes. So if you like this episode, share with a friend or take a screenshot and share it on social media and tag me. I love seeing whenever I get uh, screenshots and that you guys are finding value on the episodes from this podcast. And that's what keeps me going and it keeps me, you know, consistent to show up every single week for you guys. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time. Adios. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. But let me ask you, what was your aha moment in today's episode? I would love to know. You can leave me a comment or voice message at the link in the show description. You can also follow me on Instagram and let me know what topics you want to hear more about or who I should have on the show. As for today, this is it for today, guys. I'll see you back next week for another episode of the Unfiltered Fit Life Podcast.